Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now, here's your host, Tom Singer. Hey, hey, and welcome back to Making Waves at Sea Level. Or, gosh, if this is the first time you've ever listened to an episode, thanks for finding this little podcast. I know that there's like almost a couple of million choices of podcasts that have been started over the last few years. So when you're looking for what to listen to, uh, you can go a lot of places. And I greatly appreciate you picking Making Waves at Sea Level. So before we get started today, I have to thank the first sponsor of this episode. This episode is brought to you by Stanton Chase International, one of the leading global executive search firms serving as trusted advisors to help companies build their senior leadership teams. And I work for Stanton Chase, so if you're looking to build your senior leadership team, give me a call and I can help connect you with the person for your industry who will make sure you find just the right hire. All right, so today we're inviting a guest back just 20 weeks after he was on. I've had lots of repeat guests, but usually it's a couple of years. But we have Ivan Meisner. And if you listen to the episode uh, where we talked about uh, BNI, which he founded, and we talked about how to get the right people in your room, it was a great talk. But we had this interview about 20 weeks ago, right in the middle. I think it's episode 630, but I'm doing that from memory. Uh, but right in the middle of the pandemic, people were still very locked down. Uh, uh, Ivan and I live in the same city and we had talked about getting together, but it still was that thing where there was COVID and could you have people to your house? Should you have people to your house? And now uh, lots of vaccinations happening uh, in Texas. I think we've crossed that 50% mark of people who are vaccinated. I think Austin, Texas is higher than that. And we're starting to see maybe a little light at the end of the tunnel. So as people are reemerging, Going back out into the business world, we got a network. But is networking different? And I thought, who would be better to ask about this than the founder of BNI? So, Dr. Ivan Meisner, welcome back to Making Waves at Sea Level. Thank you, Tom. It's good to be back. And listen, you're welcome to come on over. I'll, I'll, uh, we can go into my cellar and pull out some great uh, Visa Tui or Chateau Montalena or Quintessa. As I was telling you, my, my buddy got married at Visa Tui, so it's it's always, I, I, it was one of the best weddings I ever went to. So uh, I always think when I think great wine, Visa Tui. And uh, so therefore, I will take you up on that since uh, we only live about 15 minutes apart. That's a that's a great idea. We'll do that. that we'll do that soon. Good. And you know, Visa Tui, is one of the, Visa Tui is one of the few wineries in Napa that is not, not crazy prices on their cabs. They, they have decent prices on their cabs. And I understand they have like a really good Zinfandel. Oh, their ancient vine zin is to die for. It is probably the best old vine zin. Uh, ancient vine, 80 years old in order to call it ancient vine. And uh, really, really good uh, wines. Yeah. So Visa Tui well, should Quintess be. Quintess is still, I think, the best. <laughs> Visa Tui should be the sponsor of this episode since we just gave them a big plug. All right. So Dr. Meisner. <laughs> That's right. Let's talk about the state of human to human connection of networking and of building those really important uncommon connections where you have a real ongoing relationship and everybody wins because of it. So before we get started into that, not everybody listening will know what BNI is. So let's go backwards. Tell us about BNI. 
Well, I started BNI in 1985, and I'd like to tell you that I had this vision of an international organization with groups all over the world, but I just needed some referrals for my consulting practice. And I put together some people I trusted, they trusted me. I didn't like the kinds of networks that were out there because they were either very mercenary or very social. And there wasn't one that was relational and business oriented. And so I started this one group, and BNI takes only one person per profession. So uh, someone came to me and said, this is fantastic. Would you help me open up another group? I actually told her, no, this isn't what I do. I'm a business consultant. <laughs> good, good, she thing, talked me good, into thing, it. She, good thing she talked you into it. Yeah, it is. It is. And um, we now have 10,180 groups in more than 70 countries around the world. Uh, it's been Mr. Toad's wild ride uh, to, to, to build. And now, you know, as we were talking 20 weeks ago, we made a quick pivot. Uh, I mean, imagine back then we had 9,700 groups. And imagine moving 9,700 weekly in-person meetings to online. And we did that really in a matter of weeks in every country. And we then transitioned to fully uh, online 9,700 groups. We now have the 10,100. So we have almost 500 groups who have never met in person. Wow. That, that, that fascinated me when you said those numbers. I thought, wow, that's a difference of about 500. How in the world did 500 BNI groups start in the pandemic? But I guess if you think about it, I've been telling people that, that human connection and your network is more important because of the pandemic. I was I was experiencing yes. some, experiencing some things with the training that I do before the pandemic where people like mm, networking's not as important as it was. You know, we're so digital, blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden everybody got sent home and it's like those few connections that matter were the ones that yes. were saving people's bacon. So I can see why some people might have been like, no, I need my own group now. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, when times are tough, you need your network more than ever. More than ever, you need your network. You know, the first time I heard uh, that networking's like a fad was about 1986-87 when I started uh, BNI and, and it was a reporter with the LA Times who said, isn't this networking thing just a fad? You know, it's going to come, it's going to go. And I'm like, no, this is the way you do your business through referrals, through word of mouth, is through networking. And so it's not a fad. And, you know, it's just a different way of um, uh, uh, doing it online. It's just a different way of, of networking. It's, it's like, uh, you know, uh, when, when newspapers went to radio, uh, there was a different way of advertising. When radio went to television, there was a different way of advertising. And now podcasts, uh, just a different way of advertising. So networking is a, a, a tool that you can use in different forms. And clearly, clearly, it works online. Last year, Tom, last year, we generated over 16 billion, with a B, 16 billion US dollars worth of business for our members. That we call it thank you for closed business. That's how much business they generated for each other during the pandemic, during what I call the great pause, where the pause was put, pause button was hit on most of the world. But uh, in BNI, we continued to do business because people were doing business with, uh, uh, through, through networking. Well, and, and the advantage, and I'm thinking historically going back to 1985 when you began through now, much of this was done in person, and we've been yeah. able to pivot some of it into the world of virtual, and now we're going to pivot back. I'm sure some of the virtual will remain, and I want to ask you about that in a second, but one of the things I've discovered, especially in the last 15 months, is that 
We connect to a lot of people and LinkedIn and Twitter and Facebook and all of the social media. They're wonderful tools. But I talk to people all the time who tell me, in fact, I had a consultant trying to sell to me right before the pandemic. And he's like, I added 3000. I added 3000 connections to my LinkedIn in the last three months. And I'm like, so, so what, what does it mean? Because those are just, I call them common connections, right? Likes, links, shares, mm -hmm. follows people who you've crossed paths with one time. You know, I teach people meeting someone once does not make them part of your network. It makes them someone you've met once. And there's a huge difference yeah. between someone you've met yeah. once and someone you've created, the term I use is an uncommon connection because you can only have uncommon connections with a few people or they would all be common. And so what you developed with BNI and yeah. there's other groups out there as well is by bringing people together week after week after week, not everyone in your group, but certain people you're really going to get close to. And the business really starts to flow back and forth with that. So what do you think has changed because of the pandemic and where do we go from here? So I think there's a huge difference between a connection and a relationship. Uh, you know, you know, the old expression, it's not what you know, it's who you know. I don't think it's either. I don't think it's what you know or who you know. It's how well you know each other that really counts. Because you can have an amazing, amazing database, you know, on your telephone, a bunch of contacts on your telephone. But the real question is, can you pick up the phone and call someone, a big, a, an important contact in your database, can you call them? Would they take your call? And if you, and if they answered your, the call, would, if you asked them for a favor, would they do the favor for you? That's what makes a great relationship. So just having a contact or a connection isn't enough. It's about the relationship that you build because we look at, you know, people forget that social capital is about investing in relationships. It's like financial capital. The bank has this crazy idea that you have to put money in the bank in order to write a check, right? They, 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 want, they want money there. Well, social capital is the same thing. You have to invest in the relationship. And when you invest in the relationship, then you can draw on that capital. And so it, that's what networking really is about, is build, about building relationships, investing in those relationships, so that when you need help, when you ask for help, it comes back to you as well. Now, that's the first part of what you said. You want to talk about the in-person versus online? Yeah, I'd love to hear your, because your, you guys with 10,000 organizations, you guys probably know more than anybody else. Yeah, as a matter of fact, we did a survey recently of our membership. Now, this is strictly BNI membership. Uh, we surveyed about 2,300 of the members and we asked them, do you want to meet, do you want to go back to meeting in person exclusively? Do you want to go back to meeting on, or do you want to stay with meeting online exclusively or do you want to have a blend of online and in-person meetings now to this point most of our chapters are still meeting online we have some in areas where there's very low cases of covid that that are meeting have gone back to meeting in person but still most of ours are meeting online um so we've got some interesting findings before covid we didn't do a survey but i could tell you the overwhelming majority of people are like no online won't work well, after generating $16 billion in business for our members last year, they realized it can work. Here's the interesting data. 33% uh, of the members surveyed said they want to go back to meeting in person only. 33%. 16% said online only. And 50%, almost 51% said they would like to have a blend of online and in-person 
meetings. 51%. That would have been unheard of just a year ago. Yet 51%. Now, um, I think we, we haven't made a final decision. I think we're going to leave it up to a lot of the groups. And I know that we talked about, a little bit about this where, you know, there's going to be low hanging fruit. I think I talked about in the last interview where when there's snow days, rather than not meet, boom, meet online. But I think what's likely to happen is that many groups, many networking groups are going to meet maybe three times a week online and once, I'm sorry, three times a month online and then once a month in person because nothing beats that in-person connection. Yeah. No. Someone's hands looking at them in the two, three dimensional eyes and, and, you know, nothing beats that. Well, I agree. And I mean, this is the second time I've had the privilege to, to interview you via zoom. However, I, I think if I get to, to sit there and share that bottle of wine with you, I will get to know you so much better. I'm a big believer in face to face, but I think digital has its place. And if you were to have asked me, how do you think the survey would have worked out? I actually would have guessed that it would have been a small number who said, yay, online only. So the 16% sounds about right. Uh, I'm surprised the mix is as high as it was. I might have flipped those two and thought 50% would say, let's go back. But either way, you know, it's, it's how do you balance that that mix? Like I look at it that if I was in a group that met weekly, it would be awesome to do it like every other week, one way and the other, because that would free up my schedule a little bit. I wouldn't have the drive time. But I'm a huge believer that those uncommon connections, those real business friendships where you got each other's back, you're looking out for each other, uh, those are harder to build into a permanent relationship when when you're online. But I'm not surprised where you had existing groups, they continued to function really well. This is one of the questions that comes up when people talk about companies saying, oh, we're going to stay dispersed teams forever. One of the things that's interesting is I'm like, I talked to a person, he said, our company's working great. And I said, what type of turnover have you had? And he goes, we really haven't had any. We haven't had anybody go. We haven't added but like one person during the pandemic. And I thought, then of course your team works together because there's there's relationships. There's, you know, the connections are established. But what do you do if you were starting a company? Yeah. I, I think without somehow putting people into the same place occasionally, you run into that problem. So, so do you think this is going to be across the board? We're going to see this mix uh, with like online conferences and other th- places where networking takes place? Yeah, I think the horse is out of the barn. I think we're going to see a hybrid of some kind um, all the way into the future because uh, we know, for example, online events, online conferences work. Uh, we've done uh, probably, you know, worldwide, I bet you we've done more than a dozen um, national conferences, international conventions where we had a bigger turnout. We had a bigger turnout on our international convention online. So what we're now doing are hybrids where or blended uh, where we have, um, you know, maybe a thousand people in person and 5,000 online who are participating. And I think the people who are online, they don't get the same advantage in many ways. Can't, you know, walk out of the convention room and have a cup of coffee with somebody uh, and have a conversation with them one-to-one in the same way that you can online. So I think you're going to continue to see both. And I I believe, I'm reasonably certain that we're going to see that uh, in terms of weekly BNI meetings, there'll be a combination in in most groups. Now, maybe a group that's really heavy with baby boomers are going to want to go back to the, you know, in-person exclusively. But um, the world is, you know, there's a lot of non-baby boomers out there running businesses now. And uh, I think it's inevitable. And it's about disruption. We have to be prepared for disruption. Um, 
you know, I don't know. I don't think we talked about this last time. You know, Kodak invented the digital camera. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm aware of that. I don't know if everybody is. I don't think we talked about it. Yeah, they invented it. They had the patent on the digital camera and they licensed it to other companies because the executives there said, well, um, you know, we don't want to take away from our film processing business. And one executive even said, he went on record saying, nobody's going to ever look at photographs on a computer. They're just not going to do that. And so, look, you know, how'd that work out for them? Not so well. Did you know Sears, uh, you, you may be just a little too young. Do you remember the Sears catalog? Oh, of course I remember the Sears catalog. I'm not that young. Okay. All right. Well, so uh, the Sears catalog, you know, you, you could get almost anything from the Sears catalog. Well, they realized, they felt that the, the catalog business, the printed catalog business was, was dead. And in 1993, Sears shut down their catalog operation. Amazon incorporated in 1994. <laughs> Sears could have been Amazon. Had they had someone said, you know, the printed catalog is dead, but what about this online thing? Maybe we should transition it to online. Sears could have been Amazon had they had the foresight. So disruption isn't going to go away and it's not new. And so you either can lead the disruption or you can be disrupted I vote for leading the disruption. I think I think that's awesome. So I've got some more questions about sort of disruption when it comes to networking. But first, I have to thank the other sponsor of this episode. So this episode, like all of them from almost the beginning, is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure you're going to sound amazing Podfly does all the heavy lifting and that pesky technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing people who are making waves in business like Dr. Ivan Meisner. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know, I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. All right, so Dr. Meisner, you know, you talked about the fact that in like 1987, somebody said, I don't know, I think this like business networking stuff's a fad. Uh, I've spoken on that topic for 15 years and I always hear people, you know, it kind of goes in and out of popularity based on the the economy. When times are good, people go, oh, networking is, well, we don't like the networking stuff. We just raise our hand and get clients or jobs or whatever. Uh, but when times get rough, yeah. all of a sudden it comes back strong. So have you seen, yeah. I mean, obviously you've grown BNI during the pandemic, so yes, but have you seen in, in conversations and do you predict that all of a sudden this whole idea of how do I get out there and make those real connections, those what I call uncommon connections where people have my back, do you think there's going to be a big surge towards that again for a while? No, absolutely. I think we've gone from the great pause to the great acceleration. And we're going to see, you know, more and more businesses really trying to get out there and build their business again, because the last year has been incredibly difficult. And, you know, I have seen networking. It, it, you're right. I agree. It, it kind of goes through waves. And, you know, smart people understand that you you ride the wave. But when when it goes down, you continue to, to market. It's to me, I, I just don't get it when people say, well, business is really good. I'm going to stop doing everything I did to build my business. It's like going to the gym, getting really, really buff and saying, okay, I'm done. I don't need to go to the gym anymore. I don't need to continue to exercise. 
It, we, and we've seen it with contractors, right? You know how contractors, it's feast or famine. When business is great, they've got more business handle. When business is horrible, they're dying for new clients. Well, I see the average business person do the same thing. It's a consistent application of the process that will make people successful. You want to be successful in business, do six things a thousand times, not a thousand things six times. It's consistent that really makes you successful. Well, and I see it that you've got, you know, uh, in fact, in sales, I, I, I host another podcast and I was interviewing somebody about sales technology and his attitude was that the gregarious, personable salespeople, that, that, that part of a salesperson where they can make instant connections and they like to network and they like to entertain and play golf and take people, you know, for drinks or dinner, that that's no longer needed in sales, that now it's just somebody who can follow the directions of the technology. And, and I disagreed. I think that you always have that, that need, that need to connect with people. So when we look at sales, how important is human connection? I, I think it's absolutely critical, and particularly when times are tough, um, because, you, you know, I had someone say to me once, and I think this is so accurate, uh, people may fire a vendor, but they're really hesitant to fire a friend. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so when you make that sale, keeping that sale is also part of the process. And so if you had, if you have no relationship with that individual, somebody shows up at their door, their digital door, and they're selling it a little bit less if there's no relationship, they'll leave you. And so sales, I believe, is about relationships. Even if, even if they're right and you don't need the relationship to make the sale, I guarantee you, you need the relationship to keep the client over time. Well, and there's the old, the, you know, it's a cliche, but as we know, because you and I have been around a while, cliches are all based in truth. The old cliche yeah. that, that people choose, all things being equal, people choose to do business with people they know, they like, and they trust. And what I've taught for 15, right. what I've taught for 15 years has really been around how do you get known? And that's a super important part of it. But during the pandemic pandemic, I got certified to be a trainer and a coach for a company called the Trust Edge Leadership Institute. And they've been for 20 years doing graduate level research on how does trust impact all aspects of business? And I don't see how you get to trust without your network without, without being with people, without shared experience. What do you think? Yeah, I I think you're absolutely right in networking. I I call this the VCP process, visibility, credibility, profitability. First, you have to be visible. People have to know who you are. They have to know what you do. Then you have to establish credibility. And that's the one that takes time where people know who you are. They know what you do. They know you're good at it because you have a good reputation. Maybe they've, you know, they have clients or friends that have used you. Then and only then can you get to profitability where people know who you are. They know what you do. They know you're good at it and they're willing to refer you. What happens in too too, too many times in networking is people try to jump over the visibility over the credibility, get right to profitability. Hi, Tom, my name's Ivan. Let's do business. And in one of my books, we call that, by the way, we call that premature solicitation, which you don't want to say fast three times. It'll get you in trouble. <laughs> well, well, you know, it's so true because look at what's happened to LinkedIn, right? LinkedIn has been my social media thing of choice for years, but LinkedIn's kind of jumping the shark because now all of a sudden everybody is like, they're sending you requests and in the request. It's like, oh, I, I make websites. I do this. I can do this. Oh, I, you know, and it's like, whoa, slow down there, you know, cowboy. I don't know who you are. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know what? I, listen, I, in many ways, I like LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I, I just found out that they actually do have a limit for the number of contacts you can have. I hit it. Um, and so I had to create a public site, which doesn't have the, the limit. Um, but I am very frustrated. LinkedIn has turned into a cold calling um, nightmare. You know, I get so many cold calls or, you know, cold emails, messages from people. It's it's very, very frustrating. And um, I, 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 I don't know how to get around it. Uh, I still think that the best way to build uh, relationships is to actually connect with each other regularly, not not to spam each other by email. <laughs> no, I, I agree. And I love it. LinkedIn has turned into a cold calling nightmare. Uh, I think that's yeah. the pullout quote of this of this episode because because I agree. So before I let you go, let's look to the future. What does networking look like in five years? I believe that mixed reality technologies, and I first wrote about this in uh, 2018. I wrote about it at entrepreneur.com. I think the future of networking is is online to a large extent. I think it'll be a blended. There'll be in-person and online like I've talked about. But I first wrote about this in 2018 because I thought the technology was hitting there. I didn't see COVID coming, but the technology. You know, um, Microsoft is right now working on 3D technologies that is like, it's like a glass screen. And you look through the glass and the person you see is three dimensional and not holographic like in Star Wars, you know, where you see these holographic images. Help me, Obi-Wan. Help me, Obi-Wan. Yeah, help me, Obi-Wan, Kenobi. Yes, that's it. I want to be Obi-Wan. So, you know, they're actually working on a screen where it looks like you're just looking through a, a glass and talking to somebody else. I think that kind of technology is absolutely inevitable and it will make it easier and easier because you can see the nuances of someone's face. You can see, you can see whether they're tapping their fingers or, you know, what, if, if they, you can just see so much clarity on, on their face and their body in terms of body language that I think it will make it even easier to do online networking than it is now. So I see this as the, the future. And what's nice about that is like right now, you know, this is an audio podcast, but we're filming it over Zoom for for me to be connected with you. I need to look into the camera, which means I can't look into your eyes. And so the technology you're talking about means we both look into the glass and there can suddenly be that nuance of human to human eye contact, which matters so much. So much. Yeah, it really does. It, 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 in a networking environment in particular, the eye to eye contact makes a huge difference. I mean, think of, here's an example of where it doesn't work. You've gone to a networking event. Somebody's looking at you three dimensional looking at you and they keep looking over your shoulder. Oh yeah. It happens all the time. Right. They're looking for the bigger name. They're yeah, looking for somebody else. Right? I call it better dealing. They want a better deal than you. Yeah. And so there's so many things that you can pick up with uh, in-person networking because the, because it's three-dimensional. And I think you're going to have something similar as the technologies get better and better. You'll be able to uh, see things like that, not that in particular, but see things like that. And so um, it's there's just no question about it. I, mean, I saw this three years ago. And uh, now after after COVID, there's just no doubt in my mind. By the way, when I brought this up, three years ago. And I mentioned it within my, my organization said to me, was at you know, executive meeting. They said, well, what do you think the future of now? You're the chief visionary officer. What do you think? The, and I said, the future of uh, in-person networking is online. And they were like, 
oh, no, you know, don't say that. The old man's losing it. He's getting a lot of gray hair. He's, no, I, that was absolutely. We've always been a we've always been an innovative organization. I mean, think about it. Our our domain name is three letters. BNI.com. You can't be an early adopter if if you don't have, I mean, if you have a three letter name, you clearly are an early adopter of technology. And I've always been an early adopter of technology. Nice. That, that's great. Well, thank you so much for coming back on, on short notice to making waves at sea level. Last question for you. Why should executives care if their people have a network? Because it'll affect their bottom line, hands down, no question about it. As a matter of fact, they should not only care, they should train them. They should give them freedom to participate. What happens is when you're cold calling, a manager can see how many cold calls did you do? How many emails did you do? So there's metrics that are easy to measure. Networking is a little harder to measure, but you can still measure it. How many meetings did you go to? How many referrals did you give other people? How many referrals did you receive? How many one-to-ones did you do? There are It's different metrics, but it's metrics. So I think that um, corporate, uh, big corporations should train their people on the metrics for networking as well as the metrics for cold calling if they absolutely insist that that continue. Well, I agree with you since I go into companies and train that. So that's really important that they listen. Listen to Dr. Ivan Meisner. Train your people on why the human connection matters more than ever. All right. Well, thank you for being here. If people want to find it, you already told them. How do they find BNI? BNI.com. And if anyone's interested in my blog, it's IvanMeisner.com. I've been blogging twice a week for since 2007. That is an early adopter. See, look at that. All right. Well, Dr. Ivan Meisner, thank you for being here. And thank you for everybody who tuned in and listened to this episode. I say it every time. If it wasn't for the audience, why would we do the show? I'll tell you what, I believe that your network matters more than ever as we come out of this pandemic. And if you haven't been in constant contact with people, if you don't belong to some sort of a group, be it BNI or something else, you might be leaving money on the table. So get out there, get involved, choose people. All right. Flex your business muscles. Make sure you're making some waves in your industry. And while you're at it, go out there and have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast. Without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.